Keyforge, Destiny 2, and Wrecked. This is staying in. I was watching a program last night, and have you ever seen Eat Well for Less? Is that the one where they um, they fill the fridge with kind of unmarked groceries? Yeah, which are cheaper it's, it's, versions of what they usually have. Yeah, it's a really it's a really good idea for a show. A guy from London and another guy from London go around and follow people as they shop, and basically it's like, why are you buying Watsits for three quid when you can yeah. buy Sainsbury's cheese puffs? For thirty p, and is it is it actually sponsored by that supermarket? No, no, no. I was just using that as a as surprisingly an not sponsored by Watsits. No, no. But I mean, like, because isn't that their isn't that their slogan? What, what? Sainsbury's well cheese for, buffs? Eat well for less. Eat well for less. Well, I, uh, this is a big tan. This is not what I wanted to talk about. This is not what I <laughs> no, wanted anyway. to talk about. I just, Sorry, I was yeah. just, I was just trying to describe the conceit of not even the program that I'm talking about. Just what yeah, the system. So, in eat well for less they would go into their house and raid their cupboards and like cover the the economy bag of cheese puffs in like a white paper so when they eat them they go oh yeah these just taste like what's it because it takes away that association between a big brand what's it's and cheese puffs and then they go well if you do that you can save yourself 300 pounds a year and they spin that out for a full program yeah it's really good actually because they do like recipes and all this kind of stuff and is it just food sandwich oh, just, other stuff? Oh, yes so <laughs> last night yeah. we were watching the sister program to this which is called shop oh, which is called shop yeah. well for less right oh god yeah, oh, i okay, thought it was gonna go be eat soddle for more for money <laughs> <laughs> and in fact there was one episode of eat well for less which they actually had to force the people to spend more on food because they're eating so poorly anyway that was a thriller so on shop well for less it's exactly yeah. the same thing but people who buy lots of like branded clothes and like branded books and branded like electronics and all that kind of stuff and it was just this family and they spent about 45 quid a month on books brand new and they asked the the wife of the family said why why didn't you go um, why don't you go to charity shops to buy your books and this is the quote of the evening <laughs> this is the quote of the evening oh i just don't like the feeling of buying something and then taking that thing away from someone else that they could have bought from the charity shop what what uh, what how i mean that it goes completely against what a charity shop is the idea that she's buying something so sorry I so what sorry what's her problem like i mean obviously she's got a lot but what what <laughs> i think what, i think what, what she was trying to say was i can afford to spend to buy books brand new so right me going into a charity shop and buying a book for 50p yeah means that someone else going into the charity shop doesn't get the opportunity to buy that same book for 50p and they may not be able to afford that book at full price i mean yeah because there's hardly any copies of the da vinci code left <laughs> is there <laughs> And and both me and Lisa turned to each other and went, yeah, I bet the uh, child in Africa is really going, <laughs> is really thinking, bl bloody hell, I really wish someone had bought that bloody book. Yeah, just like, oh, can't believe Margaret from Surrey decided to buy that 50p <laughs> copy of Ainsley Harriet's How to Cook. Like That's the equivalent of being like near a buffet and like this one, like, I don't know, volivant left and no one's eating it out of politeness. They just oh, leave yeah, it there yeah, yeah. so much. But it, it, I hate that. It did make me realise how much I love charity shops. Um, 
and yeah. um, they are they are great places. They're I went best. into one today, uh, gave them four books, picked up three. So you know, saving space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, uh, I can't remember the last time I paid full price for a book. It was probably the Adventure Zone graphic novel. Actually, was the last time I paid full mm. price for a book. And some people probably wouldn't say that was a book. But when I ever go to a charity shop, mainly what I do is these days is I do give them books because I finally triggered that thing in my brain that make me realize I will never read many books again so why am I holding on to them like they're not trophies so just read them get rid of them some I some I'll keep that I'm generally think that I'll read again but many others won't Mm. but the other day for the first time the first time ever I actually gave some of my board games to my local charity shop what which was a big moment I mean I've been trying to sell them for two months but that's by the by (laughs) (laughs) what did you so what did you get rid of I got rid of a copy of Harry Potter Trivial Pursuit fair enough because I mean it's it's probably the the only game I've lost the most at is that game because I know so all about Harry Potter And I also gave them a copy of Smash Up, my mm-hmm. copy of K2. Yeah. Because yep. both games that I have, I have, at least it was like, oh, it's, it's such a waste of money. Don't you think it's a waste of money? Like, just give, you spent so much on those games and just giving them up. And like, that logic is there, but then there's also the, the logic that I spent like 25 quid on Smash Up and probably like 30 on K2. Probably played them roughly maybe about three or four hours each. And then since yeah. then, they've just been in a cupboard sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. And like, we went out the other day. We went out for my cousin's wedding and we went out afterwards. I spent 30, I spent 30 quid in the pub afterwards. And to to me is that why you're watching that tv series now <laughs> how to get ratted for less so for me it's exactly this like exactly the same equation like i don't want to show off right i don't want to show off but if i go into a coffee shop i'll spend upwards of two pounds on a coffee right upwards and like for two quid you could get you know eight games on a humble bundle yeah or like yeah, go into a charity shop and get three copies of FIFA 98 or whatever. But yeah, there is that there is that thing, isn't there, where where you think, oh, because it's physical. Oh, no, this will be worth something. That's that's the other big one. This will be worth something yeah. some point. And that's such a trap because it's just like, oh, well, if I get rid of it now, then like I won't be able to have eight. Like if I if I get rid of it for like 20 pounds now, I won't be able to have 25 pounds later. And you're just like, just get rid of it. Get out of the house. Also, I feel like I owed my the Children's Society, the charity shop, down me i i feel like i owed them something after yeah you have rinsed them haven't you rinsing them for years i mean i have well i tried not to rinse them but i just this is the grip this is the real grip this this well mm, those poor children sam when you start getting the munch box from the charity shop then i'll call it a grip (laughs) we we all know the story of when i went in there and i found a sealed copy of uh, ticket to ride Europe. That's ludicrous. For two pounds ninety nine. That is absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. Um, but of course, I'm the guy who went up to the counter and went, "Look, lads, lads." After you bought it. <laughs> This yeah. this game retails for about twenty nine quid, and you're selling it yeah. for, for for a tenth of that cost. Bump up your prices a bit. All right, yeah, whatever. When in the next day, six ninety nine. <laughs> who was the idiot who still bought it? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Of course, I think I've always got an ulterior motive. 
always yeah. for yeah, we'll donating stuff for a charity shop, which may or may yeah. not coincide with the fact that I've got three things on pre-order at the moment. What have you on? What have you on pre-order? <laughs> Go on, tell me. Tell um, me quickly. I've got. Then I'll judge you. Are they all board games? Yes, yes they are. Oh, okay. I've got the one to actually no four things. One. Oh, for. F- yep. Well, one to like. Like one's a Kickstarter I paid for in June, which still hasn't arrived. So that's mate. Don't be don't be coming to me with that. I've got Kickstarters <laughs> that haven't arrived for two years yet. Uh, Shenmue three. <laughs> Dan's got one that's oh, never yeah. going to arrive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty fifteen. Um, it's coming out next year. This time next year, I'll have it in my hand. But Dan, at least your Kickstarter didn't actually make it to England, but they forgot to take it off the boat, so it's gone back to the South Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> I got the update yesterday from the uh, from the designer, and he was from like, "The captain um, of the ship." Uh, yeah, guys. So, um, good news: the board games made it to England. Bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Someone forgot to unload them. Um, oh my god! What, do, well, you... I can't understand that. Did, just somebody said, just saw this big kind of cargo hold. Uh, should we? Should we? Should we? Drop this off. Nah. Somebody told me this incredible story about how to ship things, right? And this is this is going to sound boring, but it is fascinating. So when you, because we've done physical products at the studio, right? And like, obviously, you get them manufactured somewhere else, and then they get shipped over. And somebody was telling me that there is this incredible, incredible thing whereby you have to get essentially three different kinds of insurance, right? So when the product itself is being manufactured in, let's say, China, it's being manufactured there, and the, the company that is manufacturing it, it's their responsibility that it doesn't get broken, that it's you know all it, that it is in good working order, right? Because they've made it. Mm-hmm. Then they they pay for the transport of that to the docks as it's on the ship sailing out of the har- you know in the harbor and then sailing out of out of that harbor into another one into its destination. It is covered by another insurance company, right? And obviously, if it, when it when it's on the truck making its way to wherever it is that you are in the UK, that's also covered by insurance. There is a brief window of time, and you don't have to pay for this in terms of insurance. But the 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 moving from the warehouse, which is also insured, onto the boat, right? Just that little that little path. There is an insurance company that specializes in insuring it then. Because if, basically, if on the way from the warehouse to the boat, it falls in the ocean and you don't have insurance, it's no one's fault. There is this weird insu- like legal maritime It belongs to thing. the sea. <laughs> they, they call it Poseidon's wages. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, so but... but but if the if if it makes it onto the ship and gets into the ship's like I don't know manifest or wherever it's it's immediately it's immediately insured there. It's just if it accidentally tips over the side as it goes in, that's that's screwed up. And there is there are insurance companies that specialize in that. And I was like, that is the madness of doing Kickstarters and physical physical orders and stuff. And like when you go through that process, you're like, yeah, I totally understand why this took you like three years to do because I couldn't imagine. Like it it, it must be it's a logistical nightmare. We talk about a lot of stuff on this show i never anticipated we'd spend our time talking about the intricacies of international shipping insurance regulations mm, i mm. think that's fascinating though dan don't you i mean like like there's literally a brief window of time it's 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 maybe 30 seconds where basically just if somebody if somebody ballses something up they're like it's not my fault but surely if that was true right surely Mm -hmm. there'd be which it is because <laughs> I've seen season two of The Wire yeah. which was set at the dockyards of Baltimore yeah. 
and that's one scam they don't pull off and they pretty much pull off every scam you could mention in the doc and there's and there's not like a guy with a net in the water like oh dear i hope these iphones don't fall off the side oh, no. are you sure they don't just keep missing that 30 second window ah oh, it's just too late yeah. oh, too early it's true it's yeah but uh, somebody somebody who deals with this very very regularly told me all about this stuff and i was like that is amazing so there's that pre-order <laughs> yeah go on yeah yeah and the most recent thing i pre-ordered was the the upgrade pieces for betrayal at the house of the hill which hopefully will be out in time for Halloween because I want to play, I want to have like a Halloween games night. Yeah. A bit of uh, Mysterium. A bit as well. of Mysterium, Betrayal of the House of the Hill. Uh, Chris, I'm buying you and your good lady a game for Halloween. So, are you? Yes, I am. So, wait for that. Feel left out, but all right, go on. Uh, well, you've pl- have you, haven't you, have you played Until Dawn? No. Okay, well, I'll buy but, it for you. And I, I'll and buy I don't it. want to. What do you mean, don't want to? I don't want to play Until Dawn. I want to play nice games. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> like, that's, that's but come that's Halloween. Not. Come the end of October, no, you might Halloween. be in a spooky place. It. All right, okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. This needs to be put to bed. What do you mean you hate Halloween, it's, I hate it <laughs> with an absolute passion. Like, do, do you hate it like my mum hated it? Like, she thought I was generally was going to get, like, consumed by the devil? No. Okay. No. no. In rugby? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris, my mum stopped me reading Harry Potter because she thought it was going to take over my soul. So if well, a book can do it, then rugby can yeah, do it. Rugby can do it in general. Yeah, no. No, I hate Halloween. I hate it so much. It's it's the worst. It's a it's it's a it's like oh let's celebrate spiders and skulls <laughs> and it's like yeah great this is rubbish what what is in what's good about these and then but the but the blessed part about all of this is it's followed up very quickly by my favourite holiday which isn't really a holiday fireworks night all right which is like the nice thing so I, I basically just suffer halloween so you don't hang on so you don't enjoy the celebration of death but you enjoy the celebration of someone's death i love i like like uh the the uh go the on latin hold on what the day of the, de- the day of the dead i was gonna try and pronounce what it actually is the day of the dead that's awesome that's that's really really cool what i don't like is i don't like halloween which is not a celebration of the dead it's a celebration of how can clinton cards sell you a looking costume at 27 pounds <laughs> is it worth disclosing that you used to work for said card company <laughs> it might might very and well you're be. not at all embittered by this <laughs> I'm, I'm not as passionate in my hatred of halloween but i'm kind of with yeah. Pete. i've got no interest in halloween i've never had an interest yeah. in halloween it I, for me it's just a thing as you say about selling kids costumes and stuff and when yeah. toby gets older i hope he doesn't want to go trick-or-treating because i don't want to do that i don't want to, have to take him yeah. around people say oh what are you gonna do for halloween what are you gonna do for halloween Sit in my house with the lights off. Hang on. No, no, no. Do you? Do you, any of you guys ever kind of have like bowls of sweets to be able to give to kids? Because I never do. No, no. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Really? Why? So, so you're. Yeah, but so what you're doing is the key component of Halloween, which is trick or treat. Mm-hmm. No, he just eats them in front of them. Because <laughs> you're not a child. You're not actually going trick or treating, so you're doing the adult role in giving out the sweets. You're partaking just no, as much. Ah, uh, but the, the, the but part of part of the the thing I hate about Halloween is the social anxiety it gives me because what what I don't want is open the door, trick or treat, and then go oh oh I've got oh I'm going in then. That's terrifying. Like that's absolutely like if like because I wouldn't remember. I just open the door, then a load of like I don't know like you know cut price vampire and like weird looking ghost single sheet ghost is stood there like trick or treat and you're like oh oh i'm really sorry and then you just see a bunch of sad kids 
<laughs> See, I don't run into that problem because generally on an evening, if someone knocks on my door, I'm not going to answer it anyway, regardless of Halloween or anything like that. I just won't answer my door. It, wow. Uh, it reminds me of like, and this is not Halloween, it's a Christmas thing, but this uh, I remember hearing on radio too about this guy talking about how he would dress up as Santa and go on the back of a truck and he would drive around getting money door to door for charity, local charity. And he'd say he'd drive to this particular suburbs area. They'd drive to the road as they're just pulling in and slowly all the lights in all the houses would slowly turn off <laughs> in sequence as he was driving. <laughs> yeah. I picture that being where you are in Bristol on Halloween yeah. night. Just yeah. all the lights just turn off. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't turn the lights off. I wouldn't just sit in darkness, but I'd just ignore the door. I've never, I've never ever encountered trick or treaters. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a Halloween card in the shop, Pete. I, it, it, I just like watching Halloween themed stuff. Like you know, on series, I'll have like a Halloween themed episode, like the Treehouse of Horror, a stalwart of the Simpsons when that's, I was a kid. So that's, that's why. I mean, this is going to be a surprise, but you forget about it between now and the end of October. I was going to get you and your lovely lady a copy of Until Dawn to play together on the sofa during the spooky, spooky that's times lovely. of of Halloween. That's lovely. Thank you. That's very kind, Sam. That's item two. Right, item three is... <laughs> the postman forgot to post it through the door. Christ. I like the fact that this episode is just going to be, what Sam pre-ordered? <laughs> Wasn't Sam really nice donating stuff to charity and then, oh my God, Sam spent all that money. Yeah, the third one is a roll and write game called Welcome to Your Perfect Home, mm-hmm. um, which I don't really know that much about. <laughs> I just, so why have you bought it? Uh, right. um, because, Dan, I don't have a roll and write game and it's meant to be one of the best new examples of a roll and write game and the price was good, so I bought it. To be honest with you, Dan, I thought it'd be out by now and I'd have it, but it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought it was coming out at the end of August and it's still not out, so... Hang on, when you say... Is, it, is that... Do you mean roll and write, as in three yeah. roll and write, or is it made by someone called Roland Wright? No. <laughs> no, if I was a board game designer, that's what would be my name. Hello, I'm Roland Wright. Actually, that's a good XCOM no, name. Not Roland Wright, Roland Wright. <laughs> I've, 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 I've already got Roland Move, so I'll write down Roland Wright. Oh. Um. Uh. Just the adventures of this game designer who just cannot get anybody to say his name right. No, not Roland Wright. Roland Wright. So, <laughs> And then even when they do get it right, is that, is that right with an R or right with a W? Oh, oh for oh, heaven's sake. Oh, for heaven's sake. We're not here to discuss that. We're here to discuss my masterpiece. So that's the third thing. And that's, and like a roll and write game is a really interesting thing because you get basically like a, a piece of paper yeah. and uh, you roll some dice and everyone has access to the same outcomes of what's on the dice and they use that to like write things on their sheet like filling in certain oh, criteria cool. and filling in certain things so it's meant to be a really interesting version of that and the fourth thing is the big exciting thing and it's the seo of this podcast so why not talk about it um, <laughs> yeah, go on. but it's keyforge which uh i've already spoken to you chris about i've already spoken to pete about but not you dan and i think keyforge right is this gonna be one dan i think this will be right up your street no i don't <laughs> no 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 i don't the only reason the only reason i think you might be that it might you might yep. show some sort of interest in it is that it's the complete opposite to everything that magic is and I'm listening it was designed by the same person who designed magic <laughs> you've lost me 
it's 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 smart though, right? Like in terms of it's not like a deck building game. No. It's more of a like you just buy it once or something. It's a deck buying game. It's a game. really interesting premise, yeah. So Richard Garfield as a guy who made Magic 25 years ago mm-hmm. and he's not really made very many games recently. I think he has, but it was a children's game featuring uh, bunnies no. or he he's actually made loads it's just that none of them are, are as you popular thinking of bunny as... kingdom sam yeah, yeah there's, there's that yeah that that was a little bit polarizing i think people a lot of people were put off by its aesthetic but actually it's yeah quite an interesting game yeah he's yeah he's he's done tons of stuff all right okay well the two biggest things that he's done that caught attention uh the first of which was re- was announced early this year called artifact because not only is it a card game designed by richard garfield but also it's the first game that valve has put out for years like the first game that they've actually made um and that's a card game based off the dota franchise and that's a really interesting one because basically richard garfield has always had the idea for artifact in his head since he realized and i sort of are roughly quoting this that magic would never work as a virtual card game mm-hmm which is a super interesting thing because that's all Wizards of that's all like Wizards of the Coast want magic to be now is a virtual card game. Mm. And so then Keyforge comes along and it turns out that Keyforge is everything that magic is not in terms of like it's not a collectible card game. It's not a card game that you can trade. It's not a card game that you can build your own decks. It's not a card game where there are monthly cycles of like new decks coming out or anything like that. It's complete opposite to everything that basically... It's not a card game. <laughs> it's not even a card game. It uses holograms and stuff. So so essentially, Dan, Keyforge is a game where every single deck you buy will be unique. If I was to buy a deck and you were to buy a deck, they'd be unique. If you then to buy another deck and I was to buy another deck, those would be unique to the other decks we would buy. And no matter where you are in the country or in the world, if you go into a shop and buy a Keyforge deck, it will always be unique. No one will ever, ever in the history of Keyforge will ever face up against a deck that has the same cards in their deck that that yours does. And crucially yeah that deck is a constant you can't add cards yeah, you to can't it. add cards to it you can't take cards to it if your deck's a really good deck and it works congratulations you bought one of those decks if it doesn't then sorry you spent eight pounds on a deck that and that's the sort of crux of what Keyforge is so each deck is absolutely unique each back of the deck is absolutely unique so unlike magic where the back's been the same the back of the cards have been the same for the last 25 years with Keyforge, each deck back will be unique to it as well and how so because if they sold 500,000 they'd have 500,000 different designs yeah uh, yeah. Um, so the I, I believe the way that it's being printed is like it adds and ran, random elements into it. It's like in the same way that in the same way that like you know you can get like if you add enough variables you'll get enough variations. I think um, there's something a, like well they haven't um, just got like a a person where in one of them the hand is in one position another one it's slightly in a different one but technically it's there, different. There, there's there's not an entire group of very overworked artists. Yeah, that's what designers. I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's like. Um, there's something like seven factions right okay and so it's like a combination of those seven factions and cards within them that that's what makes it unique Mm. so in terms of like the actual gameplay then so 
they've really thought about this. Like they obviously want it to be the next big tournament player because each deck has like a QR code with it. So even if someone's really clever and can like print off their own combination of stuff, if the QR code doesn't register back to the central fantasy flight thing of a tournament, then their their deck just gets completely expunged. They can't play. They even have this mechanic called Ascend. Like if you go into a shop and buy a deck and it's like the best deck, it's just is the best combination of, of, and it just wipes all other decks aside. And you go into competitions and start winning everything just because you bought that deck. Fantasy Flight will then essentially kill it and then it ascends. So it basically becomes like a deck that can never enter any more tournaments. Like when they scan the QR code, it'd be like, no, sorry, mate, you can't, can't play that deck. It will just become like a legendary deck that no one else can play with ever again. And then like, the cycle just just starts again so not only is like the construction of the whole game completely different to how magic is put together but also the gameplay so there's no mana system so you don't rely on any sort of luck that's good to get to draw your cards out which for me is if you're just starting to play magic it's the that's massive the hurdle because yeah. people because like you're sitting there and like oh i've got this massive cool monster can i play that actually no mm, no you can't you can't you can't play that what about the no you can't you can't play no, that you, you need to, you need to sit there and wait five turns and hopefully you'll get enough land come out yeah to actually do what you want to do so it's none of that in keyforge you don't have to rely on any of that sam are you, are you tempted you're talking a lot about tournaments is this something you could envisage playing in a kind of tournament capacity do you think yeah because it takes only because it feels to me like a game that relies a lot more of my skill as a player than it does my skill skill of balancing land ratios and mana points haven't they essentially replaced a gray market of buying single cards to, to buying a whole to, like, yeah no to but, buying a whole new package type yeah but because you don't know what you're getting in a pack i guess there'll be like a gray market of this is the pack that i'm selling and these are the cards that are in it and if you know yeah. enough about the mechanics then you can know enough but this is the other great bit about how quiche force works so there's no mana system and the other thing about it is at the end of your turn you always draw your your hand of cards up to six so it means that you could be playing your whole hand in a turn and then drawing back up to six and then when your deck is depleted all your discards go back into your deck and you've only got like a 33 card deck or something like that so unlike magic where unless you're playing a very specific type of mechanics you'll be lucky to ever get to the bottom of your deck maybe even you'll be lucky even even to get half half the way through yeah. The idea of Keyforge is you're going through the decks multiple times on your turn, so you're never waiting or relying on luck for that one great card to come out and affect your game. That's the thing about the Keyforge. Of the things that frustrate me about, about Magic, like having to rely on building a good deck, having to rely on being able to afford the, the single cards, having to be, re- be able to rely on those cards actually being available at a good price, Manor. having to be able to rely on luck, having to be able to rely on mana and draw and yeah. those cards like Keyforge just gets rid of all of that like yeah. it just it's like Richard Garfield has gone right how do I address all the things that frustrated anyone with the game of magic here we go this is the game that does it mm. It's a really, it's a really interesting idea, and I really want to play it. I really want to see if it's actually a game that's that's really enjoyable. I think for me, it will never replace the idea of like what I love about Magic more than anything is like with the recent, with one of, of the recent releases, they had dinosaurs and pirate classes in it. So I was like, brilliant! I'm going to make a dinosaur and pirate deck, brilliant! Like and build a story around that, and that's my deck. 
and it may not be brilliant but those are my little dinosaurs and those are my little hordes of pirates that go around battling and that's brilliant and that's what i love about magic like the stories you tell with the decks that you make but what i like about keyforge is and unlike magic like i feel like if i if i wanted to if if me and chris were like meeting up I could just go into a shop, I could buy two decks of Keyforge, know that they're going to be absolutely unique and balanced in some way, hand one to Chris, I have one, and go, right, this is this is what we're going to do for the afternoon, and that only costs me less than 20 quid, rather yeah. than relying on Chris to know everything about magic and, and us playing that. Like, that, for me, is a really interesting concept about the game, like that mm. social side of it. Like, if the mechanics of the game are good and it plays really well, I like that free form flow of it and that and that social part of it that I can, you know, go and visit you, Pete, and go, well, I'm just going to buy myself a new deck and let's, let's yeah. see how it plays. Um, yeah. I really like that about it. So... I've pre-ordered the, essentially it's kind of like the starter box, <laughs> typical fantasy flight kind of thing. So it comes with two built decks, which are like the trainer decks, two unique decks, and then like all the chits and the tokens and all the kind of things that you need to enhance play essentially. So yeah, that's good. It's, it's good. And no one knows when that's out either. So... <laughs> But the other interesting thing about this is, is like this is not the only unique game from from Fantasy Flight that's coming out. So this is like the start of a, a like a genre that they're trying to create because there's also another game called Discover Lands Unknown, which is being released, which is a more traditional board game. But like Keyforge, the cards, the tiles and some of the items in it are going to be completely random. So if Dan bought it and I bought it, the cards, the tiles inside them would be completely randomised. We'd have a completely different experience of that board game than to each other. Like, they could exist on the shelf together, but inside they'd be completely unique experiences using the same mechanics, of course. So this is like the next big thing, really, in board gaming is like this idea of... Is this the new legacy? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's a cheaper way of doing making like a legacy game, I guess. Yeah. Because everything in a legacy game is the same. The only thing that changes is well, like for pandemic, the only thing that changes is the wind conditions that define what box you open next. Yeah. Which is a binary thing and the amount of people who have the same game to some other people is going to be largely high, whereas this is everyone gets a different game or a different deck every single time. Mm. Mm. It's the future. How long before they make their way to the local charity shop? Uh... It was a good PS Plus month, wasn't it? Oh, you great. guys download all of them? Watch out. I mean, I get them every month. I get them all every month, just in case there's a lot of hidden gems. Yeah, just in case there's a hidden gem that I, I don't realise and I can pick up late, later on kind of thing. Yeah, Chris I never gets his and it really pisses me off because I'm having to yeah, buy him. I'm having to buy him until dawn. He could have got it a, a year back. Well, it was just always an inconvenient moment. It's like, I've just moved house now. I've got internet two days it's ago. It's always inconvenient. They're there you... for a month, Chris. It's every month, <laughs> yeah. Chris. Literally, you can buy it on your phone and it'll automatically download. I actually realised the other day that I've got Bloodborne. Sam, you've been playing a lot of Bloodborne. I've got Bloodborne from PS Plus before. So it's just sitting on my PS4, ready to download at any time that I want. Yeah, you will never play oh, that. Oh, God, though. no, but I have it. That's the point. I have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Because uh, I, 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 I had a tinker with all that. So I haven't played any of the games yet. As with all the PS Plus stuff, I just, I never play them. I just, I just download them. I go, I'll play that one day, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe like somebody will say, "Oh, you should play that," and I'll go, uh, uh, and then find out it's you know I already have it. You play, you um, play Rocket League. Uh, Rocket League's probably one of the best ones that's ever come out of PS Plus. 
Do you know what? You're right, Dan. Rocket League. We should talk about Rocket League later. But um, we, because um, we're gonna like, are we gonna play Destiny too? I mean, that's the that's the like. Yeah, I think we yeah. should. I think we've. I mean, we like to play cooperatively. We're not competitive gamers in, in that kind of sense. So we we've searched long and hard over the years for the perfect co-op game for us. We found it at one point with Lost Planet Two. And that was indeed the perfect game for us. Um, and it's one of the best game. games ever made as a result of that. It really is. Unfortunately, we've... I think we actually played it twice. I think um, we... I think Pete, me, you and Sam played it. Loved it. Mm. And then, Chris, at this point, you didn't have a PS3. So when you got a PS3, we all played no. it again and still loved it. Oh, so good. So yeah, for, we've tried so many games over the years. Some have worked to an extent others haven't we've had good times with stuff like rainbow six siege rainbow uh, six gta we've 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 had we but there's been some duds there's been some duds as well i think the most recent one was payday 2 uh oh, yeah that we tried it didn't really work for us i think it was like a wet fart tet destiny 2 could well be a great game for us to play hmm. although it's only three players is it has it got that lad from lord of the rings in it what lad from lord of the rings there are a lot of people in lord of the rings the floating the floating the floating well for, uh, okay first of all okay okay for, okay okay first of all that was destiny one second of all the actor that you're meaning was eventually recast so it actually doesn't exist in any version of destiny from now on third of all that actor is game of thrones actor and and his name's peter dinklage and he's never actually appeared in lord of the rings sorry for the bleep chris but there was three things wrong with that statement <laughs> yeah you got what i meant though right i got what you meant but there was three inaccuracies the floaty elf lad uh, but no yeah so like so are we actually is it so he's not in it so what why, he was why, never why, in why it should, really why should why should we play destiny 2 then I've thought about playing Destiny for a while. Obviously, it's made by Bungie. I'm a huge fan of the Halo series um, back when I had the 360 um, and the yeah. original Xbox. I had both of those. Love the Halo series. So love what Bungie do and they're, they're kind of the mechanics that they kind of produce. So Destiny was always on my radar, but I'd never, I'd never kind of taken that step into it. This came along. Perfect. I will play that. I do. I am kind of partial to a, a good FPS. They're not necessarily my favourite genre, but I I'm, I am quite a big fan. Um, so this seemed right up my alley. So I started playing the other day, and it it just seemed to work for me. I could see Halo in it. I could see you know, absolutely the mechanics. And I could see certain elements that were shining through that were taking me back to kind of memories I had of playing those games. But also we we'd recently played Call of Duty Black Ops Three, and I tried playing some of that. And it was mm, not, wasn't, it was fine, but it wasn't anything more than that. Um, playing yeah. Destiny 2 made me see a lot more of the flaws that I was seeing in uh, Black Ops 3, um, which again was a, was a free game that came out, I think, previous month or the month before. It came out with E3 as a, as a free download. But with Destiny 2, I just, I really enjoyed the, the mechanics and how the game felt. Um, how the game moved but also there were elements of kind of storytelling um, narrative devices which I found quite interesting and effective um, some of them reminded me very very slow I'm, I'm making this comparison very very lightly but certain elements of kind of some of Naughty Dog's kind of storytelling devices and stuff like that and it's only very light touches of that but that's that was what made me kind of th that was what it made me think of and to be fair any time a game makes me think of the narrative devices of Naughty Dog that's doing something very good because I think their storytelling is incredible I like, are, I like are you just getting game. confused because Nolan North is actually in it I'm not getting confused I didn't know he was in it I heard Nathan Fillion playing Nathan Drake yeah at the start <laughs> 
pretty much. Well, he is basically Nathan Drake, so that that's all fine. But yeah. no, I I I think if we can get enough uh, time playing it, I think it could be a really good game as a as a cooperative experience. It's interesting, isn't it? Cooperative games because because the thing about Destiny is like, oh, you can play across, you can play the story, but only with two of your other mates, and it's like, what? Uh, great. Well. And like Chris and I have just bought Far Cry 5. It's like, yeah, you can play the story, but only with just an- another one of, of your of your mates. So it it's to, it doesn't seem to be like, you know, a couple of years ago when every single game had to have a multiplayer element, there never seemingly has ever been like the push that every single game has to have a co-op element. But yeah, the Super Nintendo era, right? Like that was all very like couch co-op-y, yeah. you know, Streets of Rage and... Uh, Final Fight and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and I think there's definitely because obviously with a way out, but that felt like a big thing because it was designed to be played with another person. They put everything in place so another person could could play it with you. And it just that unfortunately is like a you know grain of sand on a beach these days. Like it's really difficult. I think Far Cry Five is going to be really interesting. I think me and Chris will really enjoy it and get a lot from it, but there's weird things in it like if i host a game then only i make progress in the game chris is just helping me helping me along it if chris hosts it i hate that stuff it's just like those are so simple to not so yeah. much, not simple to fix but so simple to spot the problem there but but like i think as a as a feeling as a player like that makes chris or me or whoever's whoever's like contributing to the game just fit what what part of the story like me when me and chris played uh, dead space 3 like one of us plays as isaac the other person plays as carver who is such an a forgettable character that in cutscenes he's cut out like you're not even part of cutscenes you just disappear and reappear whenever the game suits because he's just like well he's just you know he's just a co-op yeah. person there and even though i love the fact they put co-op in it it just but there was something really good about the way they did it in dead space 3 while well, i remember because isaac suffers from lots of hallucinations and there was stuff that either you could see that i couldn't see or vice versa and i remember taking a screenshot of what i could see and sending it to you and it was completely different to what you could see the level design looked slightly different to what i was seeing because you were hallucinating which i found quite an interesting interesting touch really that was good so hopefully far cry 5 will be a um a wonderful thing and and again it's one of those things where if we're really enjoying it then there's no reason why Pete, you can pick it up as well. And mm. it's just one of those things where if we've all got it, then if there's yeah. a night where there's only two of us around, Sam, why don't you come and help me with this mission? Or Dan, why don't you go and help Chris with, with this part of Far Cry 5? Because it's because it's an open world game. It's a lot more about just bumbling around, chatting, catching up, and maybe doing a few of the, like, the side missions or stuff like that. I, unlike Destiny 2, which is a lot more like, we're going to be jumping into this mission and defeating this boss and sorting this problem out a narrative 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 what i love about games like far cry 5 not necessarily from a narrative point of view but how they're constructed to play with other people is it's a lot more just relaxed and you know we can just like just explore the environment if we want rather than shooting religious cultists uh last two weeks ago three weeks ago uh, I was at Gamescom and uh, I know was, I know in Germany in Cologne uh, and um, I managed to go and have a w- wander around the show floor and be amongst the unclean uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, then managed to retreat back into the business section which is where all the uh, all the industry people are and they're going oh god thank Christ um, <laughs> my people. Uh, it's no gen- genuinely like I, like I say that very facetiously, and it is awful. But 
but when you are out in it, you are reminded as somebody who, because we're we've been around games a lot, right? Like and like some, you know, for example, like Sam, you know, you've Hello. You've, you've done criticism based around them and stuff. I like have, that. You, you, you know, I've done criticism as well. Just no one's paid me to produce it. I, Dan, Dan, I never got paid. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But you, but you know, we've all been to an industry event, for example. Um, like, like we've actually we've done we've done that. We've seen how that stuff works. When you you definitely have a very different perspective on the games industry when you're not when you're when you're outside of it. Yeah. And so like yeah, going around those halls is 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 an abyss. But it is incredible to see. Like you do see the the passion of like a bunch of people who just absolutely want to see the new Anno game from Ubisoft they're like I will stand here like there were literally What's people Anno? Que- Anno is like a it's like a management shipping lane game it's very good um, <laughs> but like but for example, oh, it's great, mate. You genuinely love it. We've I'm, got to deliver I'm, this Kickstarter yeah, package. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fallen in the water. Oh, no, that wasn't even insured. I mean, Game like, over. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's always that. Um, but I mean, to put it into perspective, um, the Spider-Man game, which is like out pretty much now, there were people queuing up for five hours to see it two weeks before the game came out. Like, it is incredible just like how much people love that stuff. Uh, but I saw all that sort of stuff, all the biggest video games in the world. Um, the best thing I saw is a game called Wrecked. Uh, R-E-K-T exclamation mark it's actually already out it's on mobile um, I actually played the Switch version yes which, uh, which the guy was, was showing and it's basically Sam is that your reaction into- anytime any of us just says the word Switch yes <laughs> uh, so uh, it's, it's basically like Sam we switched off the light yes yes, yes. <laughs> Love it. Uh, would you like to switch your energy supplier? Yes. To- yes. Uh, so uh, it's uh, from a company called Little Chicken, and um, they were showing it on the Switch. Yes. And uh, it's basically like the controls of Rocket League in an arena. Uh, but imagine that, Sam. Yeah. Combined with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah, that's how. That's what it looked like to me, actually. Yeah, it's real cool. What is it that's gonna finally trigger you to get a? to get a switch then because it's seeming to me like yeah the games that you've always wanted to play yeah, in this yeah. way are finally like like the yeah. switch is finally becoming the place to play like the interesting indie titles really yeah. goddamn complex like an interesting nintendo titles and first party titles like yeah. and i mean like with, with the release and i hate to bang on about it but with the recent with the recent release and port of into the breach like before that the developers of Faster Than Light subset games had not even thought about porting that to the PS4 or Xbox or anything like that. They just kept it on PC and mobile and, and that was it. And then suddenly out of the blue, like, yep, Into the Breach is now on Switch. Like, it is becoming the place for those yeah. interesting and unique games to to, to live. Definitely. Um, I think... Uh, so, so, Wrecked might be like right i think like like it is definitely a game that i look at that on the switch and go this is now a device which has so much stuff that i would like to play more of it like so for example i talked with the i talked with the developer and like they're not ruling out like a ps4 and x1 version and a pc version all that sort of stuff they're not ruling those out but like right now the switch version is the only one that they're actually doing and it's got the control method i want rather yeah. than like on mobile yeah. so i actually probably would i, I would much prefer to play it on, on on um on a you know a controller like a switch for example so yeah i mean i actually think this this small little indie game will be the one I mean, most what? people it was breath of the wild and mario odyssey right, and but for me it might end up being that <laughs> um which is which is it's just kind of bonkers um 
Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm really tempted, basically, at this point. And like, it is, I know, I know that's really reductionist to sort of say, oh, Rocket League plus Tony Hawks, but it sort of is that. Like, like there's, um the, the, the controls feel like that, that tightness that Rocket League has, where you're like, that, that feeling in Rocket League where you're like, yeah, I can make this car do anything. If I was skilled enough, I could make it do anything. It's so consistent. Uh, it's that plus, like, you can, you can jump, you, you, there's loads of jumps and stuff like that. And then you jump, drive up this ramp. This is one thing I saw, right? So I was like driving really fast up this ramp and then you can then tilt your vehicle and then you can grind along a rail with the nose of your car and then flip mm-hmm. out of it. Like, and I was just like, this, this is great. Why has nobody done this before? Like why, like why has, cause yeah, it's again, it's all about like mastery. It's all about and that, which is the thing I really love about extreme sports games. So they've basically combined the mastery of something like a Tony Hawks where it's like, press all these buttons really, really quickly. And that's, that's the mastery with the sort of like physic, like really satisfying physics-y uh, ness of, uh, of of a Rocket League and uh, yeah it's really really good awesome. um, and that, that was literally the best thing I saw at games and there was tons of really good stuff at Gamescom but that was that was the best yeah so I'm tempted real tempted get it I pre-order might. now mate I might yeah you realise though what Pete will do is he'll buy a Switch and say oh, I can just sell my PS4 no that's what he'll do that's what he'll do and then we'll all sit here going but we like to play games but together and he'll go time was no, now. well it, w- it won't make our Destiny nights awkward <laughs> Yeah, you guys play that. I'll play Mario Kart. I had to go to the doctors the other day, which is interesting. Go on. A, a, a thriller. Tell us, all, tell us all about it. It wasn't as invasive as last time, so we're we're all okay. right. But uh, it turns out that uh, the long and short of it is, it turns out that I've got that I've got asthma, which is which is wonderful. Have you? Yeah, Have yeah, you now? yeah. It's a it's a wonderful wonderful thing. It it was it, it took me a lot. It took me a while to go to the doctors about it. Because because you were knackered. Well, yeah, and right, <laughs> <laughs> and it's something called exercise-induced asthma. So I was going for a run, right? I did a ten k the other day, and I was like, "Oh, bit out of puff." Well, I've just done a ten k. Wouldn't worry about it. What are you what yeah. are you worried about? Don't worry. You know, go for another run. Oh, bit out. You know, hmm. oh. catching my breath here. Of course, you've just done a run, Sam. You idiot. What's wrong yeah. with you? But amongst with a lot of a load of other things. So I went to the doctors, got got asthma up, got my little inhaler, got a little puffy thing to monitor my breathing for a while. And uh since then though, my runs have been like been really? going down. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I've been how long have I been running with asthma? Because <laughs> I could just bloody <laughs> knock them out of the blocks you, now you've, I'm flying. You've, assen- you've essentially been doing that thing that athletes do where they go to the tops of like very high altitude cities and do running there in preparation for marathons at Exa- lower altitudes. Yeah. yeah. Or just it's the massive amounts of steroids that I'm ingesting now before <laughs> <Yeah>. before <laughs> I run, which are <laughs> hoping which are helping. Um Do you do you find yourself that you're running without realizing now? Do you just kind of like, yeah, oh my yeah, god, I'm just like running everywhere, just really yeah. excited. I'll go uh, to the shops. I'll go to the shops. Go, let me, let me go. <laughs> do you find, do you find you're you're gently trying to pick up glasses but crushing them in? Your yeah, hands? yeah, just I'm angry all the time. My testicles are <laughs> tiny. They're like nuts. Um, no, actually, Dan, what I've done is I've I'm so hyped on test on steroids that I've just like cut a hole in my car and now I'm just like flintstoning to work every morning. It's <laughs> like, actually, is this a good time for us to uh, update around the houses challenge? Because yes, I feel should. like this is something oh, we started not, off no. at the start of no. the year and we yeah, were like, yes, we'll update you every month to how we're yeah. getting along. And then well, it's just let's, like, let's... oh, we'll do we'll do an update halfway through the year and then. We, well, we, I think because we hit a bit it. of a fallow point, 
<laughs> where mu- where mu- where much of us did naff all. We've kind <laughs> yeah, of forgotten actually, about we, it. We were asked about this on Twitter. Someone did ask uh, a good good friend of the show, Adamski, on Twitter. Yeah. He asked us how it was going, and we 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 gave him uh, an inkling that it was still going well for three quarters of us. Well, it's going well for all of us. Pete oh yeah, because Pete never joined in. Because <laughs> yeah. he because he doesn't believe in cardio. How did the how did the lack of cardio work with you climbing the mountain, Pete? Um, I was absolutely fine on the mountain. No, I was fine. Like, I was I was I was absolutely fine. Um, I'd I'd done exactly the amount of preparation I needed to for the mountain. Exactly. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was it was okay. I was definitely tired when I got down. I wasn't like well, we were all tired. <laughs> well, yeah, but well, I, the, it didn't destroy my legs as much as it did last time. No, like I wasn't in agony. <laughs> Just a small amount of pain. I remember last last the first mountain we did, the next morning I couldn't walk. Well, yeah. that's because after we climbed the mountain, yeah. there was supplementary walking. Which was... <laughs> Once again I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, so um let Dan Dan can do the update because it's his it's his baby. Okay. We'll do a very brief we won't we won't mention the the fallow months. Because I genuinely did have an injury and was running As with asthma, I. so. Well, I didn't have asthma, but I also did have. I also did get injured in some in some sort. So, <laughs> we'll we'll just we'll just like cross off the last couple of months. It'll be fine. We currently we're actually we've, we mm. we were quite far apart at one point, um, but we've kind of bunched together. Me and Sam are kind of neck and neck at the at the front of the pack. Mm. Um, Chris, you're a little bit further behind. So just to give you some numbers, Chris, you have currently run just shy or travelled or cycled or whatever it is, just shy of 489 kilometres. Wow. Hell. Whereas, Sam, you have gone 520, 526.4 kilometres. And I am just ahead of you. So I'm just kind of just in, in your in your viewpoint ahead on 527.9 kilometres. But do you want to know whereabouts we are now? Yes. On, that's on the, the, that's important the important thing. thing. Where so, in the country? So we established that uh, because we actually started pretty well, maybe we should have not. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been smashing it. We, we established that because we started quite well that we'd actually go the longer route around. And the longer route incorporated an additional stop in Aberystwyth where we all met. So we agreed mm. to do that. So that fell between Chris's house and Pete's house. And I can confirm that all three of us have now circled past Aberystwyth. So, oh, good. So, Chris, you are just, just outside of Aberystwyth. You're, you're fairly close, a couple of kilometres away from Devil's Bridge. Oh. Yeah, that's the that's three bridges on top of each other. Yeah. Um, whereas, Sam, obviously, we're pretty much in the same position. So, currently, yeah. we're kind of still running alongside the River Wye in, a, in, a, in an area called uh, Ryada. But also, let's not forget that the fourth mm. member of our party has done some cardio. We climbed a mountain. So, Pete, you're also on the map. Yeah, but and and he did 60 kilometres uh, on our Euro trip. Okay, well, I haven't factored that in because I didn't know that, so we're just going to go without that. And Pete, right. you are currently... <laughs> just forget that. You did just know. We that. told you. We told you on the Euro trip thing. We, I, and we part said, of those kilometres yeah. where he absorbed a bike into yeah, a system. Yeah, but I've, I've, I've done all the, the calculations for this. I haven't factored in Pete's extra okay, time. Okay, okay. No, no, it's got to be official. We can't we can't do an update for the first time in eight months and it not be official. So so come, we'll come back to you. I just wanted to finish my doctor's story, yeah, which cool. was... So after I've been to the doctors and got my asthma sorted about a day later i got a text on my phone it's like oh what, what the doctors what doctors test me he says 
How likely would you be to recommend your GP surgery to a friend? Text Ooh. five with very likely, or one with not likely at all. So who are these people going around, like, saying, oh, cracking GP surgery, that went, oh, just, like, <laughs> breaking people's arms and recommending them a great GPs? Well, it's like that time I told you, didn't I, when I went to the doctors when we were at university because I thought I'd got gastritis, which I, um, which I ended up having, and the doctor was listening to my story. Isn't that after you drank a bottle of Jack Daniels? That was my birthday. That was, that, that was Pete's 21st birthday. <laughs> and when you're, when you're in close proximity to Wellington, you do stupid things, uh, and that was the stupidest thing so I've ever good. done. I had to have Gaviscon for about a year and a half <laughs> yeah, afterwards, yeah. daily. Um, I couldn't have anything vaguely acidic like half a pint of coke i just feel really ill afterwards oh, it was horrible so, so um but i went to the doctors and I explained my symptoms um basically drunk too much idiot don't do that at home yeah. uh, if so use mixers because i didn't and the doctor said oh this is very interesting um do you mind if i record this and he put out this oh, video no. camera tripod yeah. do you mind if i record this just for as a case study okay that's, that's and i was enough. yeah i said okay yeah fine i was in so much pain i was hung over i was like yeah whatever doctor that's absolutely fine he said do you mind coming in again <laughs> so because we studied drama I, was like, I just went into the usual routine if I had to go out the room what's my motivation on the camera, get into character <laughs> knock on the door come in there's a camera over his shoulder red light there sit down have to do, repeat the entire conversation <laughs> verbatim oh my god I really want to see that video Jesus just a really hungover and ill 21 year old I love the idea that like they couldn't just he couldn't just go like, like nobody watching that video is thinking well, I'm not I don't believe this yeah like, but he started filming from the moment Chris walked in like oh this like, is gonna like, be a good I've one got, got, a, got a good feeling about it so I'll just hit record just in case so so Adam sent us a question oh uh, Adam thanks yeah so how can people send in questions Pete <laughs> I told you this last time Sam <laughs> yeah, so, but I always forget He's got a pen and paper now. Yeah, he hang on. Forget. I've got the conceit uh. of this is so tortured. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quite magical about it. Stegginpod at gmail.com. Good. Uh, you can also just you can go onto Twitter or Facebook and DM us as well. All right, I might uh, do that. What's the, what's I, the name I mean, on Twitter? We, I forget. Stay, at Stegginpod. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Good. Is that all one word, Pete? Uh, <laughs> so the question. The, so the question is, uh, if you were to go on Mastermind, mm. what would your non-gaming specialist <gasps> subject be? We want specifics here. <laughs> Quite demanding. For example, uh, quote the TV comedy drama Minder series one through six. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, so, oh gosh, non-gaming. Ah, oh, okay. Can you guys come to me last on this one? <laughs> I think I know what mine would be. Mine would be, so imagine I'm sitting down in the chair. And it would be like, all right, Sam Turner, your special subject would be the stories of Christopher Darby from birth to now. <laughs> I feel like that would be like, of everything of I've been overexposed to of my 32 years 32 and a half years of life that would be that would be the one thing that I, <laughs> I feel like I would know a lot about yeah it's because I, I tell the same three stories in different ways I know Chris I know well I, th I think Chris you've got to come up now with a question to try and stump Sam oh, God. claims he knows everything about your your stories I don't know I know about everything I just think that in terms of subjects that's the thing I know more about than because yeah. I have great general knowledge I know 
lot about I know lots of little things I know little things about a lot but I don't know a lot about one specific thing so I was just thinking of the thing that I'm exposed to more than anything and that's the stories of that Chris Darby has told alright then I'd say something to do with something to do with gotta be specific uh, who okay, I featured okay. friends in. celebrity guests will be my friends celebrity guests right that's really easy right google I can ask you a question on celebrity guests of friends which celebrity appeared in a film set in world war one opposite Joey there we go so he's very good there we go. The someone who spits in his face. Yeah. Yeah. Tins of tuna. Uh, what celebrity does Joey audition in front of with a full bladder? Uh, that would be uh, Jeff Goldblum. Correct. Very good. This is really Such good. Such a good what, scene. Which celebrity arrives at Phoebe's bachelorette party as a stripper? <laughs> that would be uh, Danny DeVito. Okay. I'm trying to find one that you're not going to get. Well, clearly, I'm okay. very good at this topic. <laughs> uh, what what <laughs> what celebrity played the father to Ross's young girlfriend, who Rachel also began to date? Uh, that was a uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Oh my God, Dan. <laughs> okay, what celebrity was Ross's number one pick of celebrities he was allowed to sleep with? Number one pick. Well, just one of his. Oh, Isabella Isabella Rossellini or Winona <sighs> Ryder. No, it's Isabella Rossellini. Winona uh, Ryder was also on the list. Uh, right, one more. Okay, this is a two first, so you've got to get both. So which two celebrities appeared in the one with the ultimate fighting champion? And they appeared in the in a crowded Central Perk scene. Uh, I'm going to say... It's a quick cameo. Uh, Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. Correct. Well done. Jesus Christ, Dan. You actually should go on, like, <laughs> yeah, You actually should go on Mastermind <laughs> with this exact thing. <laughs> Amazing. Pete, what's yours? I genuinely think this is one of the hardest questions I've ever been asked in my life. Like, games is literally all I know. <laughs> like, I, I was looking through this, and the closest thing I've got to is the plot of the episode of Transformers Season 4 called The Big Broadcast of 2006. I mean, off, I mean, I have to say, Mastermind, I don't think they usually let you zero in on a specific episode. <laughs> or Carnage and C Minor, maybe. Okay, I, on, here we go. Your questions yeah. on the big broadcast of 2006, Peter okay. Willington. Oh, uh, don't, don't. What, I, you, yep. what is the name of the planet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, the big broadcast. Uh, the big broadcast comes from, does it come from Junkion? Comes from the planet Junk. I'll let you have that. Yeah, yeah. Junkion. They, they refer, refer to it later on as Junkion. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, the, the, junk, the Junkions. No, Pete, Pete, the Junkions are the people who live on planet Junk. The planet is referred to as the planet Junkion in the adverts on the VHS that I had. <sighs> okay. This is really horrible. I'm actually sweating. So what is the name of the beings who hijack the television broadcasts from the planet Junkion? Uh, that would be the uh, the, the Quintessons. Very good. Right. Can, I, can, I, can I throw one in here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go for it, Dan. No, go uh, for it. Don't. Uh, yeah. Okay, so Pete... Whilst travelling through the Junkian sector, Skylinx yeah. comes under attack by who? Oh, don't. It's from, um, it's, uh, <laughs> uh it's, um, oh, it's always so hard. Uh, you think when you're watching it at home, it's like really easy. But then when you're actually on it, it's really hard. Uh, he's attacked by, it's not, it's not Devastator, but it's one of the other really big, like, multi-part Transformers. It's not, it's not, no, I don't know. I don't know, Dan. The answer is Astro Train. Oh, it's Astro Train. It's a train that flies through space. <laughs> ah! How did I not? Ah! Oh. 
And Skylynx was like a weird dragon that was also the shuttle. And he talked. It was great. Okay, one final question. Yeah. So the comic edition of this was created as a fill-in issue. <laughs> Good. In the UK, when yeah. this issue was released, yeah. it didn't fit in with the current UK continuity. With, yeah, the continuity, yeah, sure. So they created a framing device where the big broadcast of two, tw- 2006 was an imaginary story dreamed up by who? Oh... I actually don't know about the comics. I should have been more specific that it was about the TV, oh, well, TV series. Well, I give up then. You can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, is it, is it, I don't know, is it Wheeler? No, it's Retgar. Retgar? Yeah. Is it really Retgar, the leader of the Junkions? Yeah. Well, all right, fair enough. Dan, who is the disgruntled passenger who sits next to Rachel when she travels to London? Hugh Laurie. Uh, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the gay Canadian ice dancer who helps who Phoebe helps get US citizenship? Steve Zahn. Dad, this is this is so weird. <laughs> oh man, this is great. Oh, okay. Sam, what was the name of my second hamster? <sighs> oh, this might have stumped him. <laughs> isn't the same isn't it the same name as your sister, isn't it, Holly? No, oh. no, it was my parents' hamster. All oh, right, oh, sorry, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I didn't realise I've not been taking down subgenres of it hamster. It makes it sound as if it's some weird tradition of our family. We all get given a hamster. <laughs> don't know what was it? Hammy, hamster, Chewy, Nibbles. It was Sean too. All right. <laughs> weirdly, weirdly, there was no Sean one. Sean two. Uh, what's the name of the child that Joey? thinks is a ghost when Monica and Chandler go to move out of the flat. Uh, Dakota Fanning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think my special subject would probably be probably Tintin, the works of Tintin by Hergé. Yeah. I used to read those quite a lot when I was younger, um, I'd say. I haven't read them in a while. Just throwing that in as a caveat. What is the... Uh, so there are some bad guys and they're, stru- they're smuggling drugs uh, in the story where they meet, where he meets the captain. So, yeah, Captain, you're thinking about the crab with the golden claws. Yeah, what's, meant, what's the meat that's meant to be in the tins? Well, it was supposed to be crab meat, but actually it was heroin, I think, they were smuggling in it. <laughs> <sighs> okay, is that true? Yeah. All right, okay. Just some kids having really interesting fish paste sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> this has really kept them quiet, Gene. Chandler's former classmate, he used to tease and go out on a date. Sorry. He went on a date with her. She's a former classmate, guest star. He used to tease. Is she a celebrity? And they went out on a date. Yeah, well, very much so. Yeah, I don't know that one. I know her face, uh, but I don't know the name of the actress. I know who you're talking about. And, and she and she asks him to put on her pants. Oh, oh I'm thinking of a completely different person. That's Julie Roberts then. Okay. In the same episode, in the same episode, there's another guest star who is... Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay, I'm going to give up now. <laughs> genuinely, 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 that is... A, that is a, I've, never known, I've never known anyone with a party trick, but genuinely, that is a party trick. Uh, before we finish, does anyone want to know where Pete currently is on his uh, year-long Around the Housey yeah, Challenge? I, I, oh, yeah, I'd love to. Go on. It's taken him a year. Yeah. Uh, so currently, Pete finds himself between the cities of Northampton and Milton Keynes in a little town called Towcester. Oh. Towcester. Excellent. Okay, I'll pop in there. Yeah. Have a sit. Have a sit. Have a rest. <laughs> Just check into a B&B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
just wait for us all to get back to Dan's and then toddle back. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you guys, you guys go on ahead. Yeah, no, you're, I'll see. You, I'll catch. I'll catch up with you later. That was staying in with Dan Frost, Sam Turner, Peter Winnington, and myself, Chris Darby. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to us on wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to leave us a review too, we'd be really chuffed to bits. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to all the things we've covered in this episode. And come find us on Facebook or on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.